to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm going to just talk to you from the heart tonight and tell you what's been going on in my life. Most of you already know, but I'm going to tell you how God's brought me through. About a month before lightning struck my house, I had this feeling of doom. It came over me. And I couldn't shake it. I've had those feelings before. Anybody else had a feeling of doom before? You just feel like darkness was coming. Usually I can just rebuke it and it just goes away. This time it would not go away. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if there's something, some rough times that I've got to go through, I just pray that you would give me the strength and the endurance and the patience and most of all, the wisdom that I need to get through the rough times. And I felt peace about it. I felt like it's coming. But I felt like the Lord was going to be with me, and I felt peace. But then, shortly after that, I felt impressed to do a study on Psalm 23. My first thought was, why Psalm 23? I learned that when I was a child. I had to memorize it. So I, I consider it a children's chapter to memorize. I knew what it said. Why did I have to do a study on it? And then I thought, that's what they uh, read at funerals. Why do I need to read a study, a chapter on the funeral stuff? I didn't want to do that either. But I felt like God was leading me in this direction. And do you read the Bible through every year? I do. I know Linda does. I, I try to just do it every year out of a different version. When I come to Psalm 23 or John 3.16 or those that learned, I kind of skim over it because I know what it says. You know what it says, so why stop and read it? Have you done that? I've done it many times. But anyway, I started in my uh, Version Bible, and I looked up devotions on Psalm 23. Wow, there is so much stuff in that chapter. I mean, so many promises, so many little golden nuggets that God gives us, and so many treasures. I, I want to share those with you tonight. But Psalm 23 is probably one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible. Just about everybody, whether you're a believer or not, you know about Psalm 23. It's uh, written in cards. It's written on pictures and hung on walls. It's in songs. It's in poems. It's in books. It's in movies. Psalm 23 is pretty well known. Like I said, I had to, I learned it as a child. I had to memorize it in children's church. In children's church, I had to memorize the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, all the disciples' names. I had to learn the John 3:16, all the Beatitudes. Y'all had to learn all that stuff, too. Anyway, we had to learn it. So I knew Psalm 23. And now, you know, it can just flow off our tongues as adults, can't it? Adults, and I'll shut that up. Shut down. Well, I mean, it's been all over the pastors. It is in the science of ours. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, in, in the, even when I was in elementary school, before classes started, lots of times we had to recite the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we also had to do the Lord's Prayer. And then lots of times we sang America and God Bless America. And we did all that in school. We did. And I'm so grateful that I went to school during that era where you did have to do that. Now they don't get to. But anyway, 
like I said, Psalm 23 is read at funerals because it brings comfort to people. And just before lightning struck my house, I began studying Psalm 23. And I and I told you I memorized it as a child. From time to time, I would quote parts of Psalm 23 for whatever I needed at that time. So anyway, we're going to take a look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 1. The NIV translates it, and I love this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Isn't that wonderful? And then the NLT, New Living Translation, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I ain't got all that I need. Got everything I need. And then the message says, God is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. Isn't that wonderful? You don't need anything because he's our shepherd, and our shepherd takes care of us. David was a young shepherd boy, and he knew how to tend sheep. I guess he learned it from his dad or his big brothers or whatever, but he, he knew how to take care of sheep. What is a shepherd? Who can tell me what a shepherd is? A person that takes care of somebody else or something else. That's true. Mr. Webster says it's a person who tends sheep. Brian tends this flock of sheep. Like Bill said, it's, they take care of people or sheep or whatever, but they tend sheep. And David used the analogy of a sh of sheep and a shepherd. In Psalm 23. Can you tell me some of the responsibilities of a shepherd? They protect, absolutely. They find green pastures and lead the sheep to those green pastures. Make sure they have something to drink. They lead them by still waters. They keep a watchful eye out. They watch out for predators. What about like a physician or a veterinarian? They help heal the sheep. One that I really do like, because I, I Googled. I cheated. I Googled, because I don't know anything about sheep. So I Googled, what does a shepherd do? They talk to their sheep. So the sheep can learn their voice, so that when they're out in the field and going from pasture to pasture or whatever they do, and they name their sheep, the shepherds do. That sheep learns the shepherd's voice. John chapter 10, it talks about the good shepherd. In verse 3, it tells us that the sheep listen to his voice. In verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Verse 27, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So the shepherd talks to the sheep. When the sheep strays, the shepherd searches for the that one sheep until he finds it. Why does he do that? Why does he go after one sheep when he's got a whole flock of a hundred over here? He go go after that one sheep. It's lost, and that one sheep is valuable to that shepherd. David recognized that God was his shepherd and provided everything that he needed. Did God give David everything he wanted? Probably not. He doesn't give us everything we want, but he did give him everything that he needed. We must believe that he gives us everything that we need when we need it. So we lack nothing because the good shepherd supplies everything we need. In verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures, 
and it leads me beside still waters. In studying sheep, I know quite a bit about sheep now than what I knew six weeks ago, but sheep are fearful, they're very emotional, and they're social animals. They make friends with each other. If one of them gets sick, the other sheep kind of stand around them and they, they grieve for them when they're sick. When one of the sheep die, they grieve too because the sheep died because they, they make friends. When they get mad at each other, they're not going to lie down and rest because they're angry with each other. They form long-lasting bonds with each other. The sheep must feel completely secure and safe before they lie down and go to sleep. So those green pastures, they have to feel pretty safe and pretty secure to lie down and sleep. But what else happens in those green pastures? That's where they eat. It leads them beside still waters. That's where they drink. Sheep are afraid of noisy, rushing water. They won't drink because they're afraid of that loud noise. So they don't drink there. So the shepherd has to know to lead them to still waters. Do you know if they fall in the rushing water, accidentally fall in? Mr. Google said that their wool can weigh them down so much that they drown because their wool is so heavy. So they stay away from fast running water. So the shepherd has to know where to lead them. And it has to be green pastures and still waters. Now that just sounds peaceful to me, doesn't you? Now the last two months, I've done a lot of driving from Versailles to Frankfurt, a whole lot. And y'all, that drive is beautiful. Have you seen those beautiful farms and all those green fields? They're beautiful. And then in the middle of some of them, there's a big pond. Some of them have those fountains just going here and there. To me, that just looks so peaceful. And that's what the shepherd leads his sheep to those peaceful places where they can find peace, they find food, and they find water, and they can lie down and rest and be restored. Which leads us to the next verse. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He renews my strength, is what the New Living Translation says. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. For the last mm, four years, I think it is, I've gone to, and I've seen Donna over there, to Brother Andrade's church on Labor Day Sunday. They have an antique car show. So I've been going over there, and some of those cars that are restored are beautiful. To me, they probably look better than they did in their original state. Yeah, if you've not seen those restored cars, they're beautiful. Professional gets a hold of that car, they can really do a number on them and make them look so good. I also like old restored houses. In 1975, Larry and I bought this house down here on Depot Street. It was my granny and Papa Sword's house. My daddy built that house in the early 1950s for his parents to live in. And he was tearing down an old mansion someplace here in Woodford County. And he 
get the materials from that old house and bring them over here and put it in this house. That's how he got the stuff, the materials, to build that house. Well, Granny and Papa lived there for quite some time, and then they both got sick and passed away, and then some other family members lived there. So they finally auctioned it off, and my daddy told me and Larry to go down there. Why, we don't have money to, to buy a house. Anyway, so we went down there, and Daddy was bidding on it, and Uncle Bob was bidding on it. Well, when Uncle Bob saw that Daddy was building on it, he quit bidding on it. Anyway, he bought it, Daddy did, for us, because we had paid for it. He had paid the down payment that day of the auction, but when I walked in it, y'all, why would he do this to that? The walls and the ceilings were painted a dark, dark purple. Ceilings, too. Uh, floors had linoleum on parts of it, and parts of it had had no linoleum and stuff. Bathroom was nothing but filth. I mean, boy, it was nasty. And I thought, Dad, you want me to live in here? And the kitchen was just not functional. I, you couldn't cook in it. I, the sink and the faucets were horrible. Now, my granny and grandpa didn't live like that. These people who lived in there afterwards. Anyway, Larry and Daddy restored that house. And y'all, Linda, you saw it, didn't you? It was beautiful when they got finished. It was small, but it was beautiful. Daddy rented a sander and put Larry to work sanding those floors. Oh, it took him many, many nights after working hard all day long. He had to come home and sand those floors. And then when he got through, he thought it was finished. Well, no, he got to finish them now. So he had to put whatever he put on them to finish floors. But they were beautiful because you know what they were? They were out of a mansion and they were long leaf pine wood. And it was so pretty. And the bathroom, they totally remodeled it. Daddy didn't believe in buying new stuff. He cleaned up the old stuff. So I had to go scrub the tub and all that. I could not bring myself to, to scrub that commode. I just. I couldn't handle it. But Larry took it outside and he scrubbed that thing inside and out. I thought, oh Lord, how's he doing that? But we didn't have money to go buy a new one, so we did what Daddy said. And I did scrub the sink in the bathtub, though, and they looked pretty good. And they remodeled that. And then the kitchen, both of them built new cabinets and installed the cabinets in the kitchen and put in new sink, new faucet. We went to a used furniture place and, and got a stove and I had to clean it up. But it was well worth it because when the house was finished and totally restored, it was beautiful. And that's what God, our good shepherd, does for us. He restores us. He refreshes us. And I never thought about it much and I thought I knew 23rd Psalm, but when you read it word for word, boy, the promises that comes out of it. And he restores us even now. He renews my strength. The shepherd restores his sheep. He leads his sheep into the green pastures and where water is still and they can drink from it. But sometimes our souls, lots of times, our souls need to be restored too. I don't know if you've ever done it. I've not actually done it physically, but in my mind, maybe. You uh, stop praying every day. 
you might not have time to read your Bible every day like what you're used to doing. And then before long, you might be laying out of church a little bit. And then this sin starts creeping into your heart and into your soul. And you need to be restored. And thank God we got that good shepherd who does restore us. He leads us to the green pastures and he leads us to the still waters where we can be restored. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The sheep trust the shepherd. They trust the shepherd to lead them where they need to go. And they know the shepherd is going to lead them to where they can get food and water and they don't have to worry about wolves and bears and whatever else kills sheep. Uh, because the shepherd's going to take care of them. And that's what he does for us too. For his name, he leads us in these paths. He leads us down the path that we need to go, the path that he wants us to go. He leads us down the right path for his name's sake so that he can get the glory. It's not so we can get recognized, but it's for God's glory. He wants, I want to be his hand extended, don't you? And I want to serve God by serving other people. And it's all for his name's sake. And then in verse 4 it says, Yea, or even, in some scriptures, some passages, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The NIV and the NLT says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. At this point in this psalm, David had already had been very positive. I will not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in green pastures. It's all been hunky-dory up to there, but it sounds real good. But then it gets to this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some valleys are awfully dark, and they're scary. And there's enough evil in this world that sometimes we probably have we think we have the right to be afraid because of the evil. But, do you ever know anybody that's scared of their own shadow? Can you relate? Have you ever been there? We get so upset and so afraid that we run helter-skelter here and there and we don't know which way to turn because that shadow's right there every time we look. Do you know the definition of a shadow? Bill's talking to always look up with him, Mr. Webster. And Mr. Webster says, a shadow is defined as a dark figure cast upon the surface by a body intercepting the rays from the source of light. In other words, you got the light, you got a body that gets in front of that light and casts a shadow. You ever been there, Amber? Have you stood in front of the light, blocking the light, and all you see is that shadow? You're not looking at the light, but we are to reflect God's light. We're not to be, we don't stand in front of God. We let him shine through us. Charles Spurgeon says, and I love this, he says, nobody is afraid of shadow. And I used to be, I used to be afraid of everything, didn't I, Betty? I was afraid of everything. Uh, and there was times I jumped at my shadow because, you know, kind of takes you off guard. But anyway, Charles Spurgeon said, nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway, even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. 
and the shadow of death cannot destroy us. Isn't that wonderful? It's just a shadow. It's not going to hurt you. But David says we'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say if, even if I walk through, but what did he say? Even though I walk through. So we're going to walk through dark places. We're going to walk through valleys. We can always depend on the Lord to be right there with us and he'll be holding our hand through all that darkness. There's no reason for us to fear because God is walking with us through those dark times. He is our source of light and we've got to keep stay focused on him. His light guides us along the way. God always brings us through the dark places. We don't want to be the object that blocks God's light. Christians are to reflect and not block it. Reflect God's light and not block it. Then it says, your rod and your staff comfort me. A shepherd's rod is used for protection. It's to ward off predators. They used, shepherds could use their rod to kill a wolf or kill a bear or kill whatever's coming to bother the sheep. A rod was also used to count sheep. I thought this was, that's what the, Mr. Cooper said. Sometimes you can believe him, and sometimes you, you've got to think about it. But it, it sounds pretty good. They said that the shepherd would hold the rod, and he'd have the sheep come under that rod one at a time. How do you manage that? I don't know. Must have help farming. Anyway, and they counted the sheep every night, or every day, whenever they counted sheep. Count sheep time. That's what they do. They counted the sheep. And then the staff, because it says that rod and thy staff comfort me. The staff is used to, uh, it was pretty important to a shepherd because if a sheep fell in a ravine or fell down a hill or whatever, which is a ravine, <laughs> anyway, they uh, take that staff and the hook part, they would reach down and put it around his front legs and pull him up with that staff and the sheep would be all right also they used the hook part of the staff if a newborn lamb got separated from its mama you know humans are not supposed to touch babies because then when they go back to their mothers the mothers smell the human on their hand and then they'll eject that baby but the shepherd could take that staff and pick up the baby lamb and then hold it out with that long stick thing and put it right there with the mother, and the mother would accept the baby lamb. They would also use a staff to guide the sheep. He wanted to say he wanted the sheep to go down this part right here to get over there to that beautiful green pasture. They take that long staff and they kind of nudge them on the right side to make them go to the left or vice versa. They would use that staff to guide the sheep. Uh, just kind of, it was a gentle nudge. Anyway, so that's what the rod and the staff were used for. And then it said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What am I doing when I walk? Moving. And that's what we're supposed to do when we get to a dark, dark valley. You keep moving. You walk. You don't give up. You don't quit. You keep on moving. You keep on serving God. You keep on serving your brothers and your sisters. You just don't quit. You keep moving. 
God intends for us to keep moving, to keep growing, to keep working, to keep serving. Just keep going. Don't ever sit down. Don't ever quit. Keep moving. And then in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. David was continually hunted by his enemies. Saul's men were after David constantly because they wanted to kill him. That's why I find this verse kind of difficult, this verse kind of difficult to understand because it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's what David said, you prepare a table. Can you imagine a big banquet table sitting out there and his enemies looking on and David's just sitting there eating? I've never been in the military, so I've never fought in a battle, but I've watched some good war movies and cowboys and Indians, when they're fighting the enemy, they don't take much time to sit down and eat, do they? I don't know what they, it's not a mess, mess kit, what are they? Meals ready to eat, MREs. They're MREs, they got those and they have to eat them pretty quickly, don't they? They don't have time to sit down at a banquet table. But you know what? God gives us such peace, he does, that you can sit down and enjoy a meal. In the presence of your enemies, you can dine with, the good, with our good shepherd. We can enjoy a, del a delish delicious meal in the presence of our enemies because God is with us. You anoint my head with oil. This part is going to make you sick. It's gross, okay? But Mr. Google said it. Sheep are irritated by flies. Flies will land in their nostrils in their eyes, in their ears, and then they lay eggs in those places. And the sheep have no way of getting rid of them. And then those little worms, uh, little eggs, grow into worms. And then those worms travel to the brain and start eating away at the sheep's brain. Okay, it's gross, I know. But it irritates the sheep so badly they lay those eggs in there and it irritates the sheep. And it irritates them so bad that the sheep might even take its head and bang it against a rock. Sometimes it kills them because they can't take that irritation. The devil puts irritating thoughts in our brains sometimes, in our minds. It irritates us. And sometimes you think you're going to go wacky. You really do because the thoughts just will not leave you. What are some of those thoughts that we might get? Not good enough. That's right. Ooh, that's a big one for me. I never felt like I was good enough. What else might bother us, might irritate us? And just the devil just puts those, keeps putting those thoughts in our in our brains. What about financial? Need more money, not gonna have money to pay the rent this month. Uh, the devil plants those seeds, past sins, that's right. And he, he'll keep throwing it up at you, and it irritates you. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to irritate you. But the shepherd will put oil on the sheep's head, on the entire head of the sheep. And it acts as a protectant and as a barrier so those flies won't bother them. I remember when we lived down on Frankfurt Street when I was growing up. My dad had a bunch of dogs. 
coon dogs. He had trophies for those dogs. I mean, the whole mantle was lined up with trophies. But every so often, my daddy would get one of those big metal barrels that stood, I, I say they stood that tall. I was young and little, so that might have stood that tall. I don't know. But he would fill it with what he called sheep dip. I never heard anybody else say it, but my daddy, sheep dip. And he put his dogs in that sheep dip, and he said it would keep the bugs and fleas and all that stuff off the dogs. I don't think they do that anymore. But anyway, David says, the Lord anoints my head with oil. So that whatever Satan throws at us, there's a protection there, there's a barrier there, and it won't bother us if we just give it all to the Lord. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What's that mean? My cup runs over. Got more blessings than we know what to do with. We've got more blessings than we know what to do with. And that's the truth. And the Bible talks all through the Bible. There's many, many scriptures about how generous our good shepherd is. Here's something I want you to write down. Malachi 3.10 says, Test me in this and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not room enough to store it. That's generosity. John 10.10 10 tells us, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And then Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that works in us. God desires to fill us to overflowing. What happens when our cup overflows? Pour a cup of coffee or whatever. What happens if you just keep filling it? It runs all over everything. The word I'm looking for is it spills. And that's what we need to do. We need to spill over to other people and spread. When we've been blessed, we want to bless others. With what God has blessed us with, we bless others. Many, many years ago, I listened to a lady. Her name is Maya Angelo. I don't know if anybody's heard of her or not. But one thing she said always sticks with me. If you learn, teach. If you give, if you get, give. And that's what we need to do. If we get, we need to give. Just keep giving and give generously. Don't give it begrudgingly, but you give generously. We need to find ways to bless other people. And in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in this psalm, we find that God is the good shepherd. He's our shepherd. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's our friend. He knows us by name, and we know his voice. The sheep have no reason not to trust their shepherd. The same goes for us. The good shepherd has the perfect track record, doesn't he? You can depend on him. You can trust him to lead you the way you need to go, the way he wants you to go. His goodness follows us. Everywhere we go, there's his goodness. There's his mercy. It chases us down. He gives us everything we need in our struggles, and we need to stay in his presence continually. He will always be there for us. So I wondered, and I Googled it, 
Now, I did, I did Bible stuff too, not just Mr. Gilbert, okay? I wonder why does God compare us to sheep? Because he does several places in the Bible he compares us to sheep. Because lots of times I've heard sheep are just dumb animals. Well, I don't like to be compared to a dumb animal, do you? But here's some reasons that God compares us to sheep. Sheep have no sense of direction. That's me. I have no sense of direction. They simply follow the crowd. I know as a teenager, if the girls started wearing knee socks and saddle oxfords, that's what I wanted to do. They wore hairband in their hair. I wanted to wear a hairband in my hair. We follow other people, don't we? So they have no sense of direction. Number two, sheep are defenseless. Sheep do, do not have uh, those quills like porcupines. They don't have the odor that skunks have. They can't fight like a dog. They can't fight like a wolf. They don't have the big fangs like a snake. So sheep are basically defenseless and they cannot fend for themselves, so they need their shepherd. But if they stay with the flock, they feel safer. So we got to stick with our flock, don't we? Because we uplift each other. We fight for each other. We draw strength from each other. Sheep cannot get up without help. I thought this one was really sad. If a sheep falls down and they land on their back, they cannot get up. And there's an old English shepherd term for that. You know what it is? Cast down. That sheep is cast down. Lord, how many times are we cast down and it seems like we just cannot get up? But the good shepherd comes along and he picks that sheep up, stands it on its four feet, and that's what he does to us. He stands <laughs> on, our, on our feet. I just thank God for that because uh, there's times that we get down, we're cast down, and we cannot get up. It seems like we can't pray, we can't sing, we, 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 you just can't. Have you been to a place where you felt like you couldn't pray for yourself? But others were praying for you. And the good shepherd comes along and sets you back up. I see why God compares us to sheep, don't you? Because we're pretty much like that. Sheep are emotional and they recognize their shepherd's voice. They have an amazing ability to recognize the shepherd's voice. They fear a stranger's voice and will run. They are emotional and can build relationships with other sheep, and they stick together. And that's what we do, Christian friend. We build relationships with each other, and then we stick up for each other. And then the last one, sheep are not meant to carry burdens. They're not built to carry heavy loads, and neither are we, because our shepherd carries them for us. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And, you know, I told you that when a sheep falls in water, that the weight of that wet wool can pull them under and they can drown. The same goes for us. But the good shepherd comes along and picks us up. Sheep will settle for less. I thought this was coming. Crazy, but they said sheep will go when they're looking for water, they'll go, and if they see a muddy puddle, 
they'll stop and drink out of that instead of going 20 feet more and drinking out of the clear stream. They'll settle for less. They'll drink out of the filth and ignore, ignore the clean water. How many times have we done that? Settle for something less than what God has for us. Sheep are valuable. And Christian friend, you are too. In Bible times, if a man had flocks of sheep, he was considered a very wealthy man. Because sheep produce offspring, so they keep multiplying. They also produce milk, they produce meat, and they produce wool. So a man that had flocks of sheep was considered very wealthy. And we are valuable sheep too to our good shepherd. He sacrificed his life for us. Sheep cannot care for themselves when wounded. You know, a dog will lick their wounds. I don't know if other animals do or not, but some animals lick their wounds. Sheep do not. They need the shepherd to come along and put salve on their wounds or help them with a broken leg or whatever. But their shepherd helps take care of their physical needs. And our shepherd does too. Then, after I finished all that, I was talking to my sister the other day. She was not down. And I said, Donna, there's so many promises in, in Psalm 23. So I went through and I read, and here's what I came up with. You might come up with one if you do share them with us. First of all, the first promise, I will lack nothing because he's my provider. That's a promise. You'll lack nothing. You'll have what you need when you need it. You'll always have it. He will lead me to places where I can find peace. He promises peace. Next promise, he refreshes my soul. He revives us. He restores us. He will guide me along the right paths. If I trust in him, put my faith in him, he'll guide us where he wants us to go. He is with me in the darkest valley and enables me to be fearless and courageous when I'm in that dark valley. Isn't that wonderful? Usually when we're in dark valleys, we're fearing we're like the little girl that was scared to death of a shadow. But we can be fearless and we can be courageous in those dark valleys. Why? Because he's with us. He promises a blessed table in the presence of my enemies. That's wonderful. It's hard to picture, but it can be done. There can be so much chaos around us and conflict around us, but we can sit down at the master's feet and we can enjoy a good meal with the master. And his promises, he promises goodness and mercy all my life, and I can be in his presence forever. In closing, I just want to say, that when God puts something in your heart, like he did me back three, four months ago, he put something in my heart. You're going to go through some rough times, but I'm going to be with you, is what he told me. That's what I felt like he told me. It was not an audible voice, but I knew he was going to be with me, and I had peace about it. I did. I did not fear. I wasn't afraid. I did not stress over it. I thought, I'm fixing to go through some rough stuff, but God's going to be with me. But when he puts a word in your heart, you can believe it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. You can cash the check, 
whatever. It's going to happen, and he's going to be with you. We have the assurance that we have all these promises in Psalm 23, and I tell you, I've depended on those promises for the last several months, and they work. 